Happy Monday and welcome into the PHNX Sun Devil Show. I'm Anthony Totry, joined as always by nobody. Shane Diefenbach is not here. Leah is behind the Mac. And Sean DePaz is, you know, doing what Sean DePaz does, which usually includes a million other things. But guess what? It doesn't matter because that didn't stop Kenny Dillingham and Arizona State football from kicking off fall camp, the very first practice of the Dillingham era. Uh, at least in terms of fall camp. And it was a lot of what we saw in the spring in terms of energy, in terms of effort. We're going to get to Jake Smith. We're going to get to Roe Torrance. We're going to get to Kenny Dillingham. We're going to get to the fact that Kenny stopped practice so that the guys could eat popsicles at a certain point. We're going to talk about conference realignment since everybody seems to be an expert at that. But because it's just me, chat, I'm going to rely on you a lot this show. So definitely uh, help me out with anything you got in terms of comments. Joe's already in the chat. Does this team have what it takes to win the Mountain West? That's a great question, Joe. That's a great question, Joe. Maybe we'll find out at some point. But I do want to talk mainly, at least to kick things off, just about fall camp. Uh, like I said, the energy and the effort was a lot of what we saw from this team in the spring. They did get guys, a lot of the freshmen, finally now here, some other transfers that transferred in the back half of that transfer portal time period are now in Tempe. Uh, so it was nice to, to really see everything come together. Another thing, just in terms of the coaches, Jason Mons looks like he's definitely, I mean, just going to do some really great things in terms of being a coach at some point, probably elevates to a head coach or an offensive coordinator role somewhere around the nation. Uh, but what I saw from him again today, just furthers the idea that ASU made the right choice bringing him on. But I do want to start with Jake Smith because Jake Smith, it seemed every time that I turned to see what the offense was doing, Jake Smith was involved. He was catching passes like nobody's business. And the reason you didn't hear a lot about Jake Smith in the spring was because this is a guy that's dealt with injuries in the past. He was really recovering from a lot of that. So he was out on the field, but he wasn't really doing a whole lot. Obviously, in terms of the wide receiver room, it is a deep group. And I think, again, what we saw today furthers that idea. Elijah Badger is definitely the number one here. Xavier Guillory, who looked like he beefed up a little bit in this offseason, put on some muscle. Um, LTC, yeah. Toe tree getting the sun. I, I definitely got some sun on the beach this past weekend. Um, so I, I look so much more pink on the monitor than I hope that I look to you guys. Right now, it it doesn't look like I'm human. It just looks like I'm pink. Uh, but yeah, Geo Sanders was, again, a guy who, I don't know if he got enough respect in the spring, who had a phenomenal season last year, but because there were so many transfers, right? Again, Jake Smith, Troy O'Meara, Melquan Stovall, um, Javen Jacobs bouncing in between wide receiver and running back. I don't think Geo got as much love as maybe he really deserved, but... As far as I see, he really has that number three spot in the wide receiver room in this offense uh, until you just see maybe a little bit more consistency from a guy like Jake Smith or Troy O'Meara or when Jordan Tyson gets back in the mix. This is a guy who hasn't even hit the field yet, still recovering from his injury. Uh, so this ASU offense has definitely a lot to offer, and we're going to continue talking about that. Maybe get into some of the starters as well, at least what we saw on day one. Joe, I've never been closer to toe tree or Torty in my life. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, look, this wide receiver room is going to be special, at least if the quarterbacks 
can really get their act together. And at some point, they can solidify themselves um, as a one, two, three. Everyone wants to talk about the quarterback competition, the Jaden Rashada, the Trenton Borgay, the Drew Pine. Uh, from what we saw on day one, I know it's supposed to be a, a three-quarterback race, but in reality, it is a Trenton Borgay versus Drew Pine quarterback competition. Jaden Rashada just, I don't think, has developed fast enough to, to really take on a, a lead spot uh, at quarterback, at least at this level. I think he's definitely trending in that direction to be the future for Arizona State, but right now the present is either going to be Trenton Borgay or Drew Pine. Now, at least talk amongst the media as it relates to Drew Pine and Trenton Borgay, what you saw today, it was a little shaky from both those quarterbacks. But I think, again, that's what you saw in the spring from these guys, right? The defense usually wins the first couple days, maybe even the first week of some of these practices because the defense usually comes together just a little bit quicker than the offense. It's not nearly as complex. So I wouldn't say anybody took a step forward in terms of winning the starting quarterback job today, but again, it is just day one. Trenton Borgay had his ups and downs, but we know his foot is a lot better than it was in the spring, so I'd look to see um, if he probably is going to be the guy that gets a little bit of an advantage or maybe starts to to edge out as that number one guy. If I had to make a, a guess as of right now, again, July 31st, day one of camp, I would say Trenton Borgay is probably the favorite, but Drew Pine can do things that Trenton Borgay can't necessarily in terms of athleticism, the quick release. So we'll see where that quarterback competition really starts to elevate. I wouldn't expect the starter to be named in week one, probably not week two. I'd say the end of week two at the earliest, but you're probably looking uh, mid to late August before we get a, an official starter for Arizona State. But the one thing that we did see, at least as it relates to the ASU offense in one-on-ones, even on seven and sevens, was the the relationship and the synergy that the quarterbacks have with the wide receivers, even though a lot of these wide receivers are new. And Kenny Dillingham was asked about the relationship and the chemistry that they have built, and this was his answer. Yeah, I think it shows that they put in the work in the offseason. You know, timing is not going to be made over our 14 practices. It's going to be made over the period of time from when spring ball ended until right now and the work that they put in. And you could see some of those, especially in one-on-ones, you could see some route conversions, right, being on the same page. And that's what makes good football teams is quarterbacks and wide outside ends being on the same page with the route conversions. Yeah, I think it helps that ASU was able to get guys like Elijah Badger back or the fact that Xavier Guillory was here pretty early on in the spring. Jake Smith even here in the spring. Troy O'Meer, Javen Jacobs obviously coming back from last year's team. Geo Sanders coming back. So this is not a, a group of wide receivers and quarterbacks that is unfamiliar with each other just because there are a lot of transfers or because there is a quarterback competition. Uh, these guys seem like they're in sync, and I think when Kenny Dillingham and this offense really gets a good idea of who that starter is going to be, I don't think you're going to see much of a drop-off. I think it's only going to elevate from there when everybody kind of has their roles, but right now, uh, we just haven't seen it yet. LTC in the chat, Drew Pine will eventually be the starter at some point. Got to see Trenton scoot around on that repaired foot, just my opinion. Yeah, look, we were talking with, with some people, or I was talking with some people at practice today that were not concerned about Drew Pine, but were just interested as to why Drew Pine hasn't won the starting job yet. And my answer as a guy who has watched Drew Pine in the past at Notre Dame, um, 
with, with, you know, a little bit of a fine eye just to see why he hasn't won those quarterback competitions in the past. My answer would be, this is a guy that athletically can do a lot for you. Doesn't have the biggest arm, but neither does Trenton. My biggest concern, which you pine, is that he gets a little bit of tunnel vision at times. Again, there are times when when he's feeling it and he's focused and locked in that he can definitely go out there and win you games and he can do things athletically that no other quarterback on this roster can do. It's just a matter of him doing it at a consistent rate, which we just haven't seen. So for me, I think if Drew Pine was going to flat out win this quarterback competition by a mile, he would have already done it. He would have done it during spring when Trent was on that bum foot. But now, I think Trenton's got the edge. I think Trenton going into the spring had a little bit of an edge just because he was the returning guy, right? So we'll, we'll see, obviously, what transpires. I would not rule out a situation where you see Drew Pine at a certain point this season, where you see Trenton Borgay at a certain point this season. Uh, I think that's just the nature of quarterback competitions in general, unless you have a guy that really goes out there and dominates from the start of the season to the end of the season. Usually there will be a point where a guy maybe doesn't have his best game uh, or people feel like he's the guy that was the reason they lost at the end of the game and then fans start barking and, and want to see the other guy. So I imagine there may be a scenario where you see both of them. Uh, somebody had brought up out of practice today that they think we'll see Jaden Rashada in November. If we see Jaden Rashada in November, things have gone terribly wrong. Things have gone terribly wrong for Arizona State. Again, he has the potential and the talent to be the guy down the stretch for Arizona State long term. But right now, that's it's not really in the cards. Again, just in my personal opinion. Uh, I do want to talk again about the effort and the energy from what you saw at practice just because I'm familiar with covering the Herm teams, right? Or covering Brian Kelly, Marcus Freeman, and just what those practices look like. Brian Kelly's practices were very structured. They were very, very... Uh, intense, right? I don't want to say that there wasn't fun, but the the energy wasn't always there. It was more militarized. Uh, Marcus Freeman was a little bit more of a player's coach in terms of, okay, we're going to do things not lackadaisical, but just with a little less fire behind it, right? And then you obviously have Herm, and sometimes that felt like he didn't even know it was happening. In terms of Kenny Dillingham, it feels like there's a, a really strong balance and there's a new culture in terms of practice, and that's something that Asaya Glass touched on today, just in terms of the culture that they're building, and it helps that they were able to establish this in the spring. So this is what Asaya Glass had to say. I feel like I feel like uh, the guys that were already here. I feel like we, we had a standard, just like just running to the ball uh, in between drills, just not walking, just um, just going hard in, in practice and whatnot. I feel like we have a standard. I feel like all the new guys did a good job at um, at uh, uh, being there and. Uh, uh, rise to that, rise to our standards. So I feel like it was nice seeing everyone kind of just uh, stay on tempo and not really uh, uh, dragging along. Joe, let's get let's let Totri get a sip of H two O. Right, I'll get there. I'll get there, Joe. I'm waiting for that Bet MGM ad read where I can let Shane talk just a little bit and then I can get some water. But back to what Asaya Glass had to say. Right, this is a guy who is definitely going to be a leader along this offensive line, a group that has a lot of guys who have played in the past, some really strong minutes, a lot of strong games for ASU. Uh, but the culture that has really been established with this first fall camp is something that we saw really Katie and his coaching staff bring over and build and set the foundation for in the spring. So I, there hasn't really been a, a missed step in terms of bringing that over 
in the fall. And a big part of that is the leadership, right? Mentioned Asaya Glass, but Roe Torrance is on the thumbnail for a reason. This is a guy that really, really made noise on day one of fall camp. Like any anytime you look at ASU's roster or you look at ASU on the field, specifically when they're on defense, you see a guy number nine who's six foot three, two hundred and ten pounds at cornerback who can really be a lockdown guy. This is a guy that can definitely play at the next level. And KD said today, this is a guy in Roe Torrance that really made it a point of emphasis to try and be a leader in the offseason. He challenged him to it, and I think that's why he made a lot of noise. He wasn't even asked about Roe Torrance today. Kenny Dillingham went out of his way to say this about Roe Torrance. One person I have to just mention is Roe Torrance. That's a guy who is becoming a leader for the football team. Like, incredible. Guy who put in the work this offseason, challenged him to put in the work. He's over here telling people to pick up their helmets on the sidelines. He's over here telling people to finish and go to drills. You talk about the progression that guy's made from January to today from a leadership standpoint. Unbelievable. Does that come from one individual conversation or a series of conversations, or how do you see that? I mean, I challenged him post-spring ball, and I challenged him. I said, how good do you want to be? Like, you're super talented. You're 6'1", 6'2". You have an elite wingspan. You run 4'4". You have every measurable you could possibly have, right? Well, people got to find out, you know, your issues. Like, how did you end up here? What was your path to get here? What got you here? Why didn't you succeed at these other places? And you have to remove every single issue these people could possibly find with you. And part of that, the number one thing you can do that with is leadership and work. If everybody in this organization says Roe Torrance brings it every day, Roe Torrance is a leader, Roe Torrance is a good person, all they're going to look at now is how talented you are. And when you go do that, every other box is checked. So he's really bought into that just being a good person and leading, and I'm super proud of him. I think that's what the, the really cool part of watching this team come together, at least in the spring and so far in fall, that, that's been the really cool thing to see is you've got guys like a Roe Torrance who transferred from Auburn, played in the SEC, had their issues there and has been able to come over um, last year, obviously, and make a little bit of a name for themselves. And now in year two at ASU, they're really establishing, establishing themselves as a leader. Again, KD said it. He's got all the intangibles to go out there and be one of the best football players, one of the best defensive backs in the Pac-12. And I think that's what you're going to see this season is Roe definitely take a, a giant leap in that respect. And then you got a guy on the other side of the ball and Jake Smith that we already talked about, right? Played at Texas, transferred over to USC, had his issues, uh, whether that be with injury or the COVID seasons, whatever. And now he's really going to try and, and carve out a, a real role here at ASU. One final thing I will say about Jake Smith before I just kind of go into what we've seen from the starters and then talk about the Big 12 because again that's what a lot of people want to talk about. Jake Smith isn't a guy that we're bringing up on day one of fall camp because he's a flashy guy. Jake Smith is not a flashy wide receiver at all. He just does all the little things really well and I think that's why he succeeded at the high school level at such a, a ridiculous place. Again, this is a kid that was playing at Texas that transferred to USC for a reason. He's definitely a talented skill guy, and he will make noise. I know Geo Sanders, again, like I said earlier, is that number three right now, but it is going to be a dogfight to keep that number three spot for Geo Sanders because, again, there are guys like Jordan Tyson who, when they hit the field, it is going to be a problem for defenses, and Katie knows that. Bo Baldwin knows that. Melquan Stovall, another guy who who really just jumped out and impressed people in the spring. I think, again, he is going to be a guy 
that is going to make it hard for some of these returners to keep their spots. But before we get into the starters, want to tell you guys a little bit about MGM. Again, we tell you every day that they're handing out free money and they're still doing it with their MLB free to play game. Free, free to play game. Guys, log into BetMGM Sportsbook app on iOS or Android. Play the BetMGM MLB free to play game from May 27th through September 7th. So you still have plenty of time and be a batter and pick an area of the strike zone. Depending on the area of the strike zone you pick, you're going to get either a single, double, triple, home run, or pop out and receive the prize associated with that type of hit. I think I got a single today. So I think it's a 15%. Uh, profit boost in terms of MLB games. So definitely worth it, guys. Prizing does have to be used on MLB and expires in a 24-hour period. And fall camp's back, which means college football is right around the corner, guys. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use that bonus code PHNX. There's a few different offers depending on where you live, but for our Arizona audience, place your first bet offer and receive up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if it loses with BetMGM. Again, make sure you use that bonus code PHNX. Check out the show notes for full details. And now listen to Shane talk about the disclaimer. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369, New York. Call 1-800-327-5050, Massachusetts. 21 plus to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP, Arizona. 1-800-522-4700, Nevada. 1-800-BETS-OFF, Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan. 1-800-981-0023, Puerto Rico. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Kansas, Nevada, New York, or Ontario. Now, there's been people in the chat that have talked about the fact that I look like a pink starburst today. Um, and look, it sometimes it happens. You have one too, too many four peaks on the beach. You lose track of time. You forget to put on sunscreen. And that's that's what happened. One too many peach ales, too many wows. And you just don't know. Sometimes you end up looking like me, but it's okay with Four Peaks. Guys, if you're not a giant drinker, that's okay. You can still go to Four Peaks A Street Pub and check out all of the options they have in terms of food. Haven't been there in a minute, so I haven't had the chicken tendies. But I will die on the hill that they have the best chicken tenders in Arizona. Guys, check out at Four Peaks Brewer at Four Peaks Pub to keep up with the latest. At Arizona's hometown brewery, you do got to be 21 or older to drink Four Peaks. Please drink responsibly. We've got the beef and beef in the chat. Holy sunburn. Yeah, it was it was rough. Flight to Montana got canceled. Opted to just go to San Diego instead. Um, and I ended up forgetting sunscreen. I guess that's not a, a great excuse. I could have just went to the store, but I'm lazy when it comes to that type of stuff. So look, in, in a couple days, I will be golden and it'll be great. Okay. Nobody's going to be talking about me looking like a pink sunburst anymore. Back to ASU football for a second. Just in terms of what we saw from the starters, I already talked about the quarterback competition. You're probably not going to get an answer on Trenton Borgay or Drew Pine, at least for another week and a half, maybe two weeks. The running backs look strong. It's something that we've seen consistently from Arizona State, not just last year, but in years past. Sean Aguano certainly knows what he's doing in terms of bringing in running backs. It looks like Cameron Scadaboo is going to be the one, a guy that really could do it all over at Sacramento State last year. Uh, Tevin White, the Carlos Brooks, are probably going to be splitting time at the two and three. They both kind of offer different things with Tevin being a little bit more of a speed guy and D'Lo being just a little bit more of a passing uh, pass catcher. And a wide receiver, we touched on it. Jake Smith is definitely poised to make a run at that number three spot. Elijah Badger, Xavier Guillory, they have their roles as the one, as a two. Jordan Tyson still yet to see the field. Melquan Stovall had his time. 
today. Uh, and then Troy O'Meara is another X factor. This is a guy that is just a giant, right? He's above 6'2", 6'3". And ASU, at least at wide receiver, doesn't necessarily have guys that are that big at tight end. They've obviously got a bunch. So we'll see what Troy O'Meara carves out for himself in this offense. And then along the offensive line, from left tackle to right tackle, we've got Asaya Glass, Maxi Inocker, Leaf. Wow, this is a tough name. Lee Fautanu, Joey Ramos, and Emmett Bull. That, again, is a group that could change throughout the season with guys like Aaron Frost, Ben Coleman coming back at different points. And then a tight end, uh, we all know. It's America's tight end and Jalen Conyers. He's going to be that number one tight end. But one thing that I do think is interesting is you've got guys like Messiah Swinson and Bryce Pierre that don't really have any eligibility left after this season. And they both really stand out in terms of run blocking. So it will be interesting to see just what the rotation looks like at tight end. One point about Jalen Conyers today, he started one-on-ones um, when they they did the big it's time thing. It was him, Shamari Simmons. Uh, and look, Shamari Simmons is not just some guy that you push off and he is just going to fall down. This is a, a guy that's probably going to start in the defensive backfield for ASU. And Jalen just does what he does. He beat him. He had the little Antonio Gates push off at the top of his route. And there are times, I said it to somebody today, Jalen Conyers doesn't even look like he's trying when he's out there sometimes. It's just the ball finds him and he's a magnet and he's such a big target that it just works out for him. So there's you're not at any point going to see him really fall off the pecking order in terms of that tight end spot. Moving over to the defense, starting in the defensive line, uh, this is a group that I think there are a lot of question marks, not necessarily in terms of the talent, just what the rotation is going to look like because there aren't a lot of guys that are coming back that started from last year. Obviously, Nesta is now in the NFL, but one of those guys along the defensive line that is going to stay B.J. Green, he looks every bit as dominant, if not more so, than he did last year. He definitely added some weight this summer, uh, so he is definitely going to be a key piece along that defensive line. He looks like he's carved out, obviously, his starting role. And then other guys, Deshaun Mallory, Anthony Cooper, are really the other defensive linemen. C.J. Fight is another one, the true freshman, who is just an absolute unit of a defensive tackle. He is definitely going to work himself in the rotation. He took a bag off the entire sled today. Uh, and that got pretty much everybody hyped up that you had a, a true freshman do something like that in terms of edge guys. Clayton Smith, who I've talked in the past, reminds me a lot of a guy like Karan Crump in terms of edge rusher. It's going to be exciting to see what he does. Another transfer didn't really work out over at Oklahoma. But if we know Oklahoma transfers tend to do pretty well at Arizona State, just ask Jalen Conyers how that's panning out for him. In terms of linebacker, this is another interesting spot. The defense, I think as we move throughout the fall, is going to be a, a real, real question mark. Linebacker, though, you've got Will Schaefer and Trey Brown. Trey Brown, definitely, in my personal opinion, is going to be a starter. Will Schaefer, you probably see in a little bit of a more rotational guy with Juju Mitchell. Ju Juju Mitchell is the, the linebacker that transferred from Tennessee to ASU. Again, this is not just a some bench guy that transferred from Tennessee to, a to ASU. He started at Texas, had some really strong seasons, then transferred over to Tennessee, uh, then went to ASU. He was actually on the opposite side. I found this out today. Was on Last Chance U, but on one of the teams that I guess that they were playing against and had like this crazy strip sack. So definitely go back to Last Chance U and see if you can find that. Uh, but 
I think he is definitely going to make some noise as well on the ASU defense. He he fits the scheme that Brian Ward and AJ Cooper really want to bring in terms of chaos and simulated pressure. So that linebacker, really the front seven is going to be fun to see how it plays out. It's definitely going to be competitive. It's the iron sharpens iron mentality with this defense. And then in the defensive backfield, it's a lot more solidified than really the rest of the defense. You're going to have Roe Torrance. You're going to have Jordan Clark, uh, Chris Edmonds or D Ford, probably opposite row Torrance with JC playing more in the nickel. Uh, and then safeties, you got Shamari Simmons and Xavier Alford. Xavier Alford's another guy, the 100 yard landlord, who looks like he added a lot of weight in the offseason. Him and Xavier Guillory were the two most notable on the field today that looked like they put on at least 10 pounds in the offseason, 10 pounds of muscle. So Coach Joe's definitely got them, them working in the summer. In terms of special teams, still yet to really see how that's going to transpire, but I know everybody's here for the offense-defense conversation. Going to talk Big 12 here in a little bit. Let me know if you guys have any questions in terms of what we've got from the starters. Glenn, CJ Fight, freshman All-American. I don't know if he'll end up starting, but this is a guy come week one when ASU is absolutely dominating that I think you see will work his way in and he will surprise people. I think probably come midseason, CJ Fight is a name that you will see pretty consistently along that defensive line. We got Ralph in the chat. What up, Tochi? What up, Shane? Football is here. Yeah. Super, super excited that football is back. Javen Jacobs, Jake Smith talking about kick return, punt return. Talk to Javen today. Uh, he feels a lot more comfortable in this just as a college football player than he did as a freshman last year. Obviously a hometown hero, ASU kid. But yeah, Javon Jacobs, Jake Smith could could see some exciting things in terms of special teams from those two guys. I brought it up earlier, uh, tweeted it out. Kenny Dillingham at one point today stopped practice, mid-practice, told all of his players to come to the center of the field, take their helmets off because of the heat, and they all got popsicles. There were no media popsicles, so I have a bone to pick with Doug Tamara at a certain point, but I've never seen anything like that in my entire life, and it's ASU's version of a Polar Pop, okay? It's not not nearly as good as what they've got over at Circle K, but it's definitely refreshing and cool. Guys, Polar Pops, they stay cold longer, and if you didn't know, it's hot as hell outside. My face isn't like this because it was cold. Okay, go to Circle K. If it's not for a Polar Pop, do it for all the deals they have on snacks and drinks. Beatbox Hard Teas, buy two, get one free. Uh, buy two, get one free in terms of Monster Energy drinks and buy Powerade at four for five bucks and be entered and you could be one of 10 finalists entered to win a 2023 Ford Big Bend Bronco SUV. Guys, make sure you're not missing out on all the great stuff. Right now, text PHNX to 31310 to join their SMS subscriber club and get a buy one, get one free offer on 32-ounce Polar Pops. Head to circlek.com slash store-locator to find Circle K's near you. Guys, so you're going to go get yourself a Polar Pop, and then you're in Tempe, right? Because classes are about to start, and you're going over to Burrito Express to snag the best burrito in the galaxy. And I can say galaxy now, and because we have aliens that apparently exist all of a sudden, Pretty sure they're here for Burrito Express. That's just word on the street. They've got locations all over the valley, guys. Steak and salsa, breakfast supreme, the machaca hot, all of it. I love the thanks for the the really slow zoom, Jacob. It, it's it's awesome, guys. Go grab a burrito from Burrito Express and follow Burrito Express on Twitter at burrito exp. Glenn, 
asking about Xavier Alford being allowed to practice until the NCAA decision. Uh, look, X was out on the field. This is the scariest thing that I've ever seen. This, this, if you're listening on audio, just go click back to this point to see what just transpired. Saul Bookman just appeared, ladies hey. and gentlemen. He just spawned here. Actually, Saul's been sitting right there the entire show. The entire time. Just waiting for his moment. We're going to get to the Big 12 here in a second, but I do want to answer Glenn's Glenn's question about Xavier Offord. Yeah, he, he tweeted pretty early this morning. Um, I want to say he was tweeting at like 5 or 6 this morning, which was about four hours till ASU had to practice. Uh, he was out on the field today, so it... We'll see. I haven't heard anything official on that NCAA waiver decision, but if I had to guess, it looks like it cleared. Um, moving on to the Big 12 and the Big 10 rumors, because everybody is a conference realignment professor at this point. They're apparently, an expert. Apparently. Um, before I get your opinion on it, because there were some some really interesting things. Yeah. Pac-12 media deal. Yeah. Apparently, word on the street is no, we're going to be... No, that's been, that's been confirmed. Potentially getting a deal. At well, least... So it's, 48 hours, right? It's been confirmed that tomorrow morning the Pac-12 will have a meeting where George Kliakoff will present the official numbers for whatever deal that they have constructed. Um, the uh, The rumor right now is, is that the universities already have the information okay. and what it is. So it's... Uh, it, the rubber's going to meet the road tomorrow. I sure hope so. This is Stuart Mandel. So he, he tweeted this out a little bit earlier today, just kind of going off what you said here, saying news. Pac-12 Commissioner George Klyovkov will finally present a TV rights deal to league members within the next 48 hours, a source tells The Athletic. The board and 80s are scheduled to meet tomorrow morning, uh, first reported by John Canzone, Canzono. Canzano. Canzano. Um, look, this, I think, is... This is not an accident. The the fact that from the start of the summer to now, it's been, we're waiting two weeks. We're waiting two weeks. We're waiting two weeks. And now you've got Colorado leaving last week. And now all of a sudden there's rumors swirling about more conference realignment. Is the pack going to stay together? Who is it going to add? Uh, what is the Big Ten? What does the Big 12 want to do? There is a clock now on oh, the Big yeah. 12. Well, yeah, for sure. You know, I think there's two things at play here. Number one, the clock on the Pac-12 in terms of, I do believe, and I you can, I could be wrong on this, but I, from the multiple different reports that I have seen, the conference has to be at 12 teams to get the max amount of money yeah. per deal. So if you lose Colorado and you're losing USC and UCLA already, you got to refill them with three other teams. Yeah. Quick. I don't know if they could do that. I mean, they certainly can't do it by 2024. The only So the only way that the Pac-12 would be able to add SDSU given what has happened in the Mountain West. Because if they were to leave the Mountain West, they would owe them $34 million. Mm -hmm. San Diego State is not going to just pony up $34 million. Well, it was 15 or 17. And then they recommitted back to the Mountain yeah. West and they doubled up the yeah. price to leave. So unless uh. George... Is, is helping them out a little bit. I don't see SDSU being a part of the pack starting in 2024. Agreed. But to your point, you're playing with nine teams at that point, mm -hmm. and there aren't really any that move the needle outside of Oregon, maybe a little bit with Washington, Oregon State's trending up. But you don't have the USC. You don't have the UCLA. In terms you of football. Yeah, you don't yeah, have yeah, those markets. For sure. CU, you don't have the, the prime factor that they've had yeah. over there with the noise. So it is, it's really a now or never time for Klyakov to make something happen 
And that's where I want to talk about the rumors because everybody's talking about today the rumors and reports that the Big Ten is looking to add four more teams. Yeah. Washington, Oregon, Clemson, and then Florida, Florida State, State. Right? Yep. Mm -hmm. If you lose those two, you're done. Oh, well, I would almost wager to say that you're done already because there's no way that Oregon and Washington stay in the Pac-12. Without USC and UCLA, what's the need? You can go to the Big Ten and make more, way more money. Yeah. You can go to the Big 12 and make way more money. And from what we're hearing, um, the deal that has already been proposed or the one that's on the table that they'll talk about tomorrow is ridiculously low. Yeah. I had said that it, I would guess it would be between the 20 to $25 million mark. The rumors are that it came in at 25, but after the fees for the conference and all these other things that they cut off the top, each school would end up walking oh. away with $20 million. And you mean to tell me that a team like Arizona or ASU or Utah would look at that and say, oh, no, yeah, we'll take an $11.7 million cut to stay in this conference that's already falling apart on the hope that we can get some other schools yeah. to be able to stay in the fold. Like, I just don't see it. Oregon is a way – first of all, Oregon's the biggest brand you have left football-wise in the conference, yeah. hands down. Then after that, it's Washington. Then after that, it's Utah. And then after that, it's probably ASU. Yeah. Um, and, and, and Stanford, Stanford is sitting there – and, you know, the reason why the Big Ten, I feel like, has kind of gotten involved in the last kind of the 13th hour is because there were rumors that Stanford might leap them, uh, Oregon, to go to the Big Ten because of their football pedigree. Um, and also as an academic institution, it just brings a lot of notoriety to your yeah. conference. So there's a lot of things that are still kind of crazy out there. In college football, guys, we're, we're like less than 32 days away from college football actually starting, and now you've got all of the rumors. We've had the entire summer mm -hmm. for, for the rumors, and now once CU is like really the first domino, or I guess the first domino this year to fall, now everybody with 30 days is like, okay, it's time to go. I see, but this is where I differ with you. I feel like we've been talking about this. This is something that's been happening for the last year. Yeah. Um, since, you, since USC and UCLA announced, the clock started, and you knew it started. And the fact that after a whole nother year, you still don't have a deal that you've presented to these to these coaches and these administration uh, these administrators is just ridiculous. Let's talk about let's talk about what could happen. Okay, am I if I was a guessing man? Okay, I would say that Arizona's gone. I don't think Arizona's going to stay in the Pac-12. I think and you I, think this happens before you. Ha this happens in the next thirty days. I think it happens probably as early as the end of this week. Really? That Arizona will officially say that we're, we're out. Um, I, I know the Big 12 is anxious to get this all wrapped up. So I think they're gone. The biggest question remains, what happens with ASU? What happens with Utah? And whatever other schools, you know, Oregon and Washington. Really, Oregon was rumored to be another team that could possibly go to the Big 12. I think Oregon would prefer to go to the Big Ten as opposed to the Big Twelve, and I would too. If I yeah. mean, it's a it's a better conference overall. But the play here has always been: you have an NBA exec executive running the Big Twelve right now, and this is a basketball play. And I know everybody says football moves the needle, and it does by a mile. But if you take out Oregon and Washington, what you're the Mountain West? What notorious brand do you still have left to really attract other schools from? And really, it's Arizona basketball, and that's about it in terms of football and basketball. Yeah, in terms of revenue sports, for sure. Sure. And so, Stanford baseball, but again, baseball. So doesn't you'd really... be looking at uh, acquiring teams like San Diego State. Cool. They made it to the national championship. Fantastic. Gonzaga, 
you know, that's that's the pool you would have to pull from. Yeah. And in football, it's just it's just too difficult. You have to football moves the needle and creates all the revenue. So you have to be able to make this move. I feel like ASU should go with U of A. They should. But you guys have talked about this at length. I don't know if it's going to happen. It's and this is this is what I'll say. I've talked to a, a couple people to just today about the subject, uh, and just from what I am able to to really take away from that conversations, and then watch the way that ASU has handled the situation because you haven't at any point heard ASU as a rumor to leaving the conference. No, and you're not going to. And you still haven't. Yeah. The only way that Arizona State opts for a move to the Big Ten or Big Twelve is if they have to, is if the Pac-12 seriously dissolves and Arizona State <laughs> has to go somewhere, I think any of the, the remaining conferences would welcome them with the open arms because Bobby Hurley is Bobby Hurley. Kenny Dillingham, you've got that new fired-up energy, and those are really second and third fiddle to the fact that you get Phoenix. You get the entire main portion of the Arizona market. So I think if it came down to it and ASU was looking for a home, I do think the Big 12 would seriously be interested. I think the Big 10 would certainly be interested. Uh, but I don't think at any point, even when Arizona leaves, you are not going to see an ASU rumor along with it. It has always been Colorado. It has always been Arizona as the second team mm -hmm. that would potentially leave the pack. And now you've got the rumors of an Oregon, the Washington, the Clemson, and the FSU thing. And what I do want to say about that is it's what we saw last summer. If you remember when USC and UCLA opted to, to leave or that news broke and it felt like it was out of nowhere. And then from that point on, it was, OK, this is next. This team's going to leave. This team's going to leave. And there were rumors everywhere and not one thing happened until Colorado left last week. So I will say I, I know in terms of the Pac-12, it is certainly a different situation now than it was because of nine, yeah. because of the the media deal being still not really done and we haven't heard anything about it so that is i guess the the one wrinkle or the one different thing that you do have to consider but in terms of the big 10 adding a washington and oregon and clemson and you know fsu just i would say hold your horses and until you get it from a, a really credible person uh like it's I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think you're going to see Clemson leave the ACC. I don't think you're going to see Florida State leaving. I don't think you're going to see Washington or Oregon leaving, at least not in this offseason. Uh, Arizona, I think. You don't think no. you don't think Oregon will leave by until this time next year? I don't year. think Oregon leaves when kickoff happens. No, I don't think so. Really? Yes, because this is the same thing that we saw. We saw all the rumors well, that transpired. Big, there's a big difference, though, now. Yeah, the, the media deal and the fact that Colorado was left. Well, the media deal, and that's the problem. It, it, I'm telling you, like, they present $20 million a year to these schools and see that the SEC is getting 50-plus and the Big Ten's getting 45-plus and, the, and then even the Big 12's yeah. getting 30-plus. But like, they knew this. It's it's We talk about it in, in, in the fact that the media deal hasn't ever been set. But the numbers have always been, it's been a consistent, okay, between 20 and 30. I don't think they knew this for, I would say that they Then they knew, were naive. I would say that they knew this maybe in the last three months. But the first nine months initially, like you still had 10 teams. You were still rumored to be able to go out and maybe get some other teams to replace USC and UCLA. Like, so you had to sit there and, and think like we could still get a, a pretty good deal. Yeah. 
But then Colorado leaves, and really for the last three months, that's when the that's when you should have realized, like, okay, something's not right because we should have had a deal or at least a proposal by now. And the other thing is, and I I cannot emphasize this enough, if you don't have if you're not on ESPN, and if you're not on Fox, the fuck are you doing? Yeah, like you have completely torched your brand, and so with that alone. You have to look for greener pastures unless you just don't care about athletics. Yeah. And that's the I'm I'm not saying this as a U of A fan. No, we talk I'm about this it. as a, the administration as a, doesn't care. Listen, I, I just cannot believe that that would potentially you know, listen, think about the people that have just just put in so much effort and work to try and get this thing up to where it needs to be yeah. um, year after year, decade after decade. Are you just gonna throw that away because you yourself don't value athletics? You know, like I just don't understand it. TCU's enrollment went up by, I think, like 133% because they reached the CFP. Yeah. Like athletics matters. It matters to students. My kids are juniors in high school. And my daughter went up to NAU and she was like, man, it's kind of quiet up here. And my son was like, well, I'm going to U of A. And I asked him why. He's like, because they got basketball. Yeah. Like they got sports. Like I want to go to games. Yeah. Like that's what kids fuck with. Yeah. Like it, nobody cares about all the other stuff. So, I just hope that ASU, honestly, I hope ASU, you know, firms up and, and they do follow suit. If Arizona does go and goes with them, I have a bad feeling it's going to be Arizona. Then it's going to stop temporarily until we get in like maybe a, a new influx, maybe 30 months or 30 days. You might be right on that. You might be right that Oregon won't make a move. But I feel like the Big Ten and the Big 12 know that Oregon and Washington are right there and they've got to make a move right now. Otherwise, one of them risks losing out. I, I And the one final thing that I will say on this is, again, when you see these rumors out on Twitter, because that's specifically where they're coming from, you have to, again, realize that they people in these administrations and working with these conferences are not the ones spilling all of these beans. The, they are playing this, at least, again, in terms of Arizona State and Colorado, they are playing this very close to the vest mm-hmm. in terms of leaving a conference in Colorado from, from my knowledge of that situation. And again, I, I will not necessarily a rumor, but just the first thing that came to my mind when I saw that Dion was not going to be at Pacto media day is this is a little fishy. <laughs> this is a little fishy. I know Dion was avoiding me specifically, but <laughs> there is Dion's surgery on his foot. He could have had the next day. He yep. could have had the day before. You're telling me the only reason that Dion, Coach Prime Sanders, couldn't come to Pac-12 Media Day is because he had to, of all 365 days, when you have all of this national media that are going to be asking you a million questions, the one day out of 365 you're going to have surgery on that day? Mm-hmm. That's, that's in, my personal, in my personal opinion, that just seems fishy. And again, from what I know of everything that happened with Colorado in terms of People that were in Vegas that would have known if there was a move happening, there were people that were certainly caught off guard by Colorado leaving last week that are within Colorado, that either they are the got the best damn poker face in all of Las Vegas or that they played it so close to the vest that there were people that were surprised about that move. I I don't know, man. When you see George Klyakov talking... And he says that, you know, we're not announcing a deal today because we want to focus on uh, the great stories we have to tell here in football. (laughs) And then Colorado AD Rick George walks out immediately after that. 
I don't know. The writing kind of felt like it was on the wall at that point. Like, I knew Colorado was gone. Yeah. Like, there was no doubt about that. George just stuck his foot in his mouth. It's just who else was going to go. Yeah. I guess we'll see. It's only a matter of time uh, before more conference realignment stuff continues to happen. It's going to be interesting, guys. But before we get out of here, I want to give a shout out to Illegal Pete's. Got some phenomenal food in the kitchen that I've been waiting for the last, like, 45 minutes and change to go eat. So I'm going to do that right after this. I'm surprised you didn't bring it over here honestly actually uh i'm i'm you know i meal prep so uh you know i'm trying to watch the way it's illegal pizza man you don't have to have the chips you don't have to have the tortillas just throw some meat some veggies some salsa some guac all the good things guys illegal pizza is your go-to spot this summer kick back and enjoy an ice cold margarita or cool off with a bucket of high noons five high noons for just $22. $22. And don't forget to follow at Illegal Pete's on Instagram to stay updated on all their big events and deals going down this summer. Stay tuned on their stories to win free tickets to the concerts you are dying to see, guys. Illegal Pete's is here to make this summer one for the books. Last thing I'll say, guys, if you missed last Thursday's show, check it out. We had Mr. OG's himself on the show, and he is, I think he's got a place. He's got a place in front of a microphone. At some point, but it's not till he hangs up the OGs for good because the OGs, holy shit. If you want to just get into some conference realignment, like just scenarios and fun stuff, take some OGs. You want to talk about conference realignment and aliens? Hey, take some OGs. There you go. You can speculate all you want. We're on the same page though. When we, when we take OGs, I feel like we are one in the same. Oh yeah. We're definitely definitely contemplating our our life. (laughs) Guys. All the flavors and, and all the highs that they have in terms of OGs. Uh, there's something out there for for you, whether it be the pink lemonade, the Aquaberry Sleep Edition, um, the mixed bag ones with the fruits and the creams, the watermelon, the red apple. Guys, OGs doesn't miss when it comes to flavor and effect. So get your pink lemonade gummies while you can. Check out OGs online at OGsBrands.com and on Instagram at OGsBrands. You can also find their products at your local dispo. You do got to be 21 years or older to Purchase LTC. That is blasphemous right there. Burrito Express about to be Big 12 bound. Unless you're talking about ASU and Big 12. ASU and Burrito Express into the Big 12. Burrito Express doesn't belong in the Big 12. It belongs wherever ASU and wherever, honestly, PHNX Sunables is. That's where Burrito Express needs to be. Guys, thanks for making the last 50 minutes so doable. Thanks so much for coming on. So Do you think it, ASU is going to go to the Big 12? Do I think ASU goes if to the Big If you had to make 12? a prediction. Do I have to give you a time frame? Like within the next year, it has to be the next year. Were you going to sit around in a six-team conference by then? Uh, <laughs> We're just going to play this thing look, out. <laughs> if, if if U of A goes, no. If Oregon and Washington go to the Big Twelve, no. If Oregon and Washington just leave, yes, I think ASU hops on somebody's life raft. But I don't think because at that point, I don't think the conference stays together. I think Arizona leaves. I think they will do whatever they can to possibly eight get an SDSU eight teams eight I, I don't teams. think I don't think the conference dissolves if if one more team leaves unless it's unless it's Oregon or Washington it's I know happen. U of A basketball is a is a poll it's not even about that though it's not even about that like dude like what what are you staying in this conference for if there's eight I'm teams? with you I think they should leave I, I think just, ASU should go to the big 12 I think a lot of the fan base would tell you that I think they should go to the big 12 but it's this, something that we talked about that the administration this, doesn't really. The eh. shitty part about this is, is like it just ruins a lot of things. Yeah. First of all, this ASU U of A rivalry, pff, you can kiss that goodbye. It basically turns into Georgia Georgia Tech. Yeah, and you know what I mean. Like people talk about, oh well, you know, Oklahoma Oklahoma State aren't going to play anymore. Yeah, but uh, 
Oklahoma State wasn't Oklahoma's biggest rivalry. It was Texas. It still is. And, and they both went left together for a reason. Why it sucks so much more now than it did maybe four years ago when ASU basketball was so, so far n- not near U of A basketball. Not to say that they're closer to them now, but you look at the territorial cups in, in football and the rivalry games in basketball, specifically mm-hmm. in the last year. That football game was competitive as hell. came down oh, yeah, really to fun. the last yeah. drive. And obviously the basketball games, like the Des Cambridge buzzer beater and then the, the very first one uh, that U of A that, had. Like, still though, those are like competitive games. We haven't seen competitive ASU U of A just rivalries in the last three, four years. Yeah. U of A basketball kicks her ass. And before last year, ASU football kicked yeah. ass. Yeah. It sucks that now you're seeing the potential of losing out on this rivalry when you finally have, okay, we've got Kenny Dillingham yeah, and Jed Fish. Two coaches. And we've got Bobby Hurley trying to build with transfers coming off an NCAA tournament run. Two coaches that absolutely embrace Arizona as a hotbed of football yeah. town. Oh, absolutely. And they were starting to build that up. And if one leaves and the other conference is falling apart, I don't know. It's it's just hard to believe that the momentum wouldn't – like Arizona's building something, so is ASU. I truly believe in both programs. I think they want to go really, together. I really do believe in both programs. Like, I'm a big Kenny Dillingham fan. Yeah. Obviously, our guy Jalen Conyers is is tremendous. I think both programs are tra- are on the right trajectory. But if one of them stays in a conference that's falling apart, that's just one more piece of ammo you can use against that said program um, to to recruit against. And hopefully it doesn't happen because I don't want to see either, either program fall off. 2014 was fun. You know why? Because both of those teams are playing for a South Division championship. Yeah. yeah. I want to see shit like that again. Yeah. One the again, the final thing that I'll say on this, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. U of A can't just leave without approval from the Board of Regents. Is that correct? Because uh, ASU, I, U of A, and I want to say NAU falls under the entire Arizona Board of Regents. Yeah, but that's they're never going to turn that. They're not going to No, say but what I'm saying to that point is if U of A were to leave, and this is the the one wrinkle for me that would say, okay, maybe if U of A leaves, ASU does too, is the Arizona Board of Regents doesn't want to have to do doesn't want to have to deal with two power five teams in separate conferences. It makes their life much more challenging. It would be it would make more sense, like you said, for these two programs to go together. Mm-hmm. So that would be my one, okay, if U of A leaves, then potentially you see ASU. But I guess we'll see. Conference realignment, fall camp, all of it is going to be the next point of discussion for at least the next week, fall camp for the next month till we get ASU football games. But guys, that's going to do it. If you enjoyed the show, give us a follow at PHNX underscore son of us. You can follow me at Anthony underscore Totri. Saul, where can the peeps follow you? Uh, Saul underscore Bookman. Perfect. And you're going to be right here on the PHNX Sun show. So stay locked in, guys, and we will see you Tuesday at 2 p.m. But for now, peace.